my 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 brother was making a, a joke the other day and he was saying that if you want to stress your your med school friends just tell them that you've taken grandpa and then you'll immediately get a lecture do you i feel like dr cindy fenzel did a perfect thread on grandpa perfect mm. Grandpa is literally <laughs> yeses, and people just chug that thing, and they just chug it, and they don't care. It's such a le- it's very dangerous, especially for someone that uses it for chronic reasons. Mm. Oh my gosh, it has such mm. lethal consequences. To be honest, mm. so I can't even stress that enough. Grandpa is a big no-no. You mm. just tell someone take take what you can take, and what everyone generally takes. Um, you can take maybe a panado, I can say. Mm-hmm. A panado, that paracetamol is usually not the worst thing that, can, you, that mm-hmm. you can take. Grandpa, no. Um, Why is it a no-no? Um, Why is it such a huge no-no? Because it's a huge no-no because it has so many um, risk factors, namely for the gut, for your, for your stomach. Mm. For your stomach, it causes a lot of... Um, uh, what can I say? It causes ulcers, if I can just put it broadly. It causes ulcers. And for people that already have pre-existing ulcer, ulcers, it worsens them. Mm. Especially the ones that are not enteric coated, which is the ones that are not coated to protect the gut, mm. or the, st- the stomach lining. So, the so those ones form. just... Yo, bruh, the mm. powder form, that the way they chug that thing. It causes so many problems and, and you know, you don't see it till it's too late because the patient just comes in and they are in full, full-fledged uh, gastrointestinal bleeding. Mm. And that's a surgical emergency. That is a surgical emergency. Mm. And, and for someone that, that has very minimal access to surgical, um, surgical, uh, surgical uh, uh, what can I say? Resources per se, mm. surgical resources because hours are like three and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. Someone that comes in with actively bleeding, mm. and 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 they still have to be transported. It's it's just wreaks so much havoc, but mm. so much havoc. So we usually advise patients to, if they have to take, um, to take an an aspirin or 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 grandpa to take enteric coated which means the ones that are coated specifically to protect or to to some level or to some degree protect the stomach lining Mm -hmm. it's it's very it's very few of them but the powder is just the worst the worst of the worst because it has no protection to the gut whatsoever Mm. and 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 then you end up especially if you're someone that chronically ingests it you will end up with a lot of um ulcer problems you know mm-hmm. so we advise against that that's the first thing we advise against mm-hmm. um also uh okay while we're talking about medicines medications mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that end up being put on uh benzodiazepines i don't know if people talk about this but there's a lot of people that are addicted to benzodiazepines and and opioids so these are okay. uh, uh, levels of drugs Mm-hmm. Um, the benzodiazepines are sedatives. They sedate, so they especially given to psychiatric patients or, or elderly patients that struggle to 
sleep, that have insomnia and all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. But what they don't tell you about these benzodiazepines is that you become addicted to them. For example, if you're someone that takes benzodiazepines because you struggle to sleep Mm -hmm. and the person that has put you on these benzodiazepines and, and and your sleeping problem is not inherently organic, meaning you don't have a psychiatric condition that makes you not sleep or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's a secondary factors that, that contribute to your sleeping disorder. Okay. So especially in private sector, I noticed that they dish benzos out like smarties. Fam. Mm. So what they don't tell patients is that you become addicted to benzodiazepines and you focus more on getting the, you be, you function more like an addict in, 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 in essence, mm. you, you worry more about acqu- acquiring your next dose of benzodiazepines mm-hmm. rather than adjusting your sleep. Mm. So in patients that struggle to sleep, there's something that we institute called sleep hygiene. So okay. it's different steps that, that allow for you to create an ambient environment for you to be able to fall asleep naturally without the assistance of any devices or any medications. So a lot of people, um, I've noticed a lot of people in the private sector, even in the public sector as well, we're also at fault as practitioners. We mm-hmm. dish out benzos in such an alarming rate mm-hmm. um, that sometimes ph- pharmaceutical and pharma- pharmacist um, uh, dispensaries have to issue out, uh, uh, you know, things saying you you have you cannot prescribe uh, benzos to this patient any longer, or they've been on, you know, things like that. So mm. people just dish out things like benzodiazepines, you know, your li- lorazepam, diazepams. They also um, some other sleeping uh, sedatives that are not necessarily addictive that are available in the market. Mm, uh, but they also okay. have to be prescribed. So we need about these things rather than what we were talking about earlier on before having them just be on this chronic medication that is potentially harmful to them because being mm. addicted to a, a medication is harmful to your body mm. in the long run, you know? Mm. So that's number one. Number two is pain medication mm-hmm. in the sense that a lot of patients become addicted to opioids, which are weak opioids and and pure opioids which mm-hmm. are your morphine derivatives okay mm. so morphine derivatives it's your morphine it's your pethidine it's your fentanyl mm-hmm. uh, also tramadol which is a weak der- weak opioid patients become addicted yeah so which you try to you make sure i get off uh-huh yes <laughs> yeah so so it's something it's something that you know, even, I'll be honest, even um, patients become addicted, even health practitioners, because they know how good these medications are. Right. So they use them privately and they become addicted. They be, right. So it's, it's a thing of, those are medications that we should be talking to people about mm-hmm. and uh, um, making them aware mm-hmm. about where they're going, you know. Mm. And what else can I think of? And, oh my God, the antibiotic war antibiotics and the misuse and malpractice when it comes to the issuing of antibiotics it's crazy mm. um that's so, interesting i've never actually so, heard that so what happens is you have so made antibiotics 
are community acquired. When they say community acquired, community acquires everything that is outside the hospital. Okay. So they've made levels of, of drugs to that. They're different kinds okay. for different conditions. For example, someone that has, um, someone that has a, a pneumonia that can be treated <laughs> at home or someone that has a urinary tract infection. Uh-huh the spectrum of in your body for 12 hours before you need the next dose. Okay. And if you miss the next dose, in essence, you're making the bacteria more adaptive to that treatment. So it becomes harder to treat the condition that you have. So you explain things like that to patients. Then they understand why you say, take this medication every 12 hours, or every eight hours, or every six hours, then they, they participate in that management. So anyway, even in the hospital, we tend to over-prescribe medic- uh, antibiotics or under-prescribe antibiotics. Okay. So for patients in the hospital that we admit, we also, when we put them in antibiotics, we put them on antibiotics for community-acquired infections if they need to be admitted. Uh-huh. Then if a patient's been in the hospital for more than 72 hours, initially admitted with no problem, and then gets an infection while in the hospital there's a different spectrum of drugs for that right you see so we need to like be informed about these things there's a lot of people that prescribe things wrong and Mm. don't inform patients adequately how they should take medications and what the Mm -hmm. medications for and the duration you always tell patients please finish your antibiotic course and Mm. some of them will take it for two three days as soon as they start feeling better they chug it away. They, They're yeah. like, okay, yeah, that was good. It was nice. Right. So, yeah. So, that's the thing about uh, antibiotics. I'm trying to think what else. That's mainly where we fight with patients. Right. The antibiotics is the pain, is the, sed- is the sedation. <laughs> like, those are the things that we fight about <laughs> most of the time. Right. Earlier, you mentioned uh, supplements, right? And supplements and vitamins when we were talking about... Um, Yes, trying to balance your lifestyle, and and there are a lot of them out there. They are very confusing. I this is probably a personal question. I am very confused when it comes to supplements and vitamins. One, my question is, do we actually need them? Right, Mm -hmm. which I think you have already answered this, just saying that there are certain things that we don't always get from our food. But generally, how do we know? which vitamins mm. or supplements that we should take that we actually just need for an active or a balanced lifestyle and how important is it for us to actually understand that you you don't need all the vitamins out there but you need the different types of vitamins and minerals at the different stages of your life so basically most of the time when we when people take supplementation it's it's at the, uh, we presume that there is some level of deficiency because if, okay. if you had uh, all, all, all the le- your B12s and your folates and your, everything, your iron levels were perfect and everything, you wouldn't need to take literally any supplementation. Mm-hmm. But there is a presumption that um, with certain conditions or with certain uh, uh, demands in our lives that you might need a elevated level of a certain vitamin or a certain like for example what have been we been adv- um what have we been advocating for patients to take during this coronavirus when they get ill is to take vitamin c because mm-hmm. it's been proven that vitamin c supplementation mm-hmm. helps in the fight 
against influenza viruses, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if when it comes to normal uh, uh, vitamins and mineral supplementation, mm. we work under the assumption that there is some level of deficiency mm. in a general population. Mm. So like, for example, if you were to go to maybe certain parts of Africa where they are deficient of iodine or deficient of iron, that population, uh, most of them would be on certain supplementation because of the deficiency. Right. But, but now when it comes to uh, uh, supplements, it varies. So for growing children, mm-hmm. in order for us to assist with their you know, mental well-being, physical well-being, mm-hmm. we do advise multivitamin supplementation, mm. which is, in essence, all of your Bs, all, all your B vitamins, um, just to cover everything, iron, zinc, and all of those things, because mm-hmm. they are growing individuals, mm-hmm. and they need as much supplementation as they can, mm. you know, for bones, teeth, hair, you know, all of those things, right. so that they don't become malnourished. And a, lot of, and a lot of the food that they eat is fortified with vit- vitamins. Mm. Like, for example, cereal, Kellogg's, for example, mm. it's fortified with zinc. It's got B12. It's got, in essence, most of the, of the vitamins that you need. Mm. So a lot of, yeah, a lot of our foods, um, the kids especially, they have a lot of those supplementations um, mm. in them. Okay. Mm. So you don't necessarily see them deficient. You don't okay. necessarily see children deficient. Mm. But when they become deficient, you know because they, they, they present in such a manner that you can tell this child has been lacking in these vitamins and these whatever. So right. to safeguard, we give all kids multivites under okay. the assumption that they don't have them in their foods and under the assumption that they don't have them in certain things. Mm. When it comes to adults, most adults don't necessarily require additional supplementation. Because we need additional supplementation. Uh-huh. Two is is um, uh, elderly patients. Uh-huh. Uh, because as you become older, you become more deficient in certain things. Uh-huh. Um, so we advise supplementation for them. Uh-huh. Certain certain uh, uh, patients with chronic uh, illnesses, for example, or chronic renal impairment or something like that, they uh-huh. may need additional supplementation. Mm. But for us normal working class individuals mm. that don't necessarily have any illnesses, um, you're not growing, you're 21, you've grown, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that your yeah. life is you physically, your life is demanding, you know. Mm. We work under the presumption that what you are eating, your diet and whatever is, has more of an impact on your body than anything else. Okay. So, so we assume that the things that you are eating don't have enough uh, supplement, supplemented uh, iron, vitamins, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're living a fast-paced life. You, you, you're in that age where you don't really care about what you eat. You're eating a lot mm-hmm. of fast foods. You're drinking mm-hmm. alcohol. You know, they smoke and all these things. So, mm-hmm. so we, we, and, and in addition to that, you are adding a fast-paced life you're active individual, you're working mm-hmm. mentally, you know, you, we, you do need some level of supplementation mm-hmm. as a young adult and as an adult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, how they advise, you know, your barracas, your, mm-hmm. your, sometimes they, 
they, they advise Jinko Bilobas, especially for people mm. that are studying and people that are in an active, you know, mentally active environment. Right. Those are just some of the things that just wake, wake your body up, you know, okay. because you get into a slump, like I said, you become deficient because mm. of your diet. Mm. When you, when, when you are, when you are in, it's not because you're old or because you have some sort of a disease or because you're growing mm. up, you need additional, you become deficient mainly because of the things that you're putting into your body. Mm. So we do suggest that you have some additional supplementation, especially if you have a demanding life that leaves you at the peril of your diet, essentially, you know, okay. that's all. Right. So that's what we advised and, and also to get additional um, energy throughout the day mm. is to take some, some level of supplementation just to boost your overall uh, um, capacity. Mm. So there's so many different, uh, oh my God, if you walk into clicks, literally, mm. the aisle itself will have back to front yes. all sorts of vitamins. Yes. <laughs> sorts of minerals, all uh, sorts of iron and zinc supplements and all uh, of those things. Uh-huh. But in, in, in most of those things, it, it, most of them have essentially what you need. They just defer in the brand or the, the, the cost and all of those things. But it's not to say one, one works better than the other because most of them have almost the same amount of these vitamins and supplements as the okay. other. It's just in the branding. It's just in the pricing of the, of the, of the, of the supplements, you know, but most of them generally, if you compare uh, most of them, they literally have the same amount of ingredients. They have the same amount of um, milligrams and whatever of, of whatever you may need which is your yeah. vitamins uh, up to 12 and your folic and all of those things. Okay. And then, um, yeah. So basically what you can afford for your lifestyle, um, just to supplement your lifestyle when it comes to multivites, you can get that. That's yeah. it's no harm, no foul. That's what we advise. Yeah. Right. Basically that's what we say. Now, the, 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 to end this conversation off, right? We're in 2020. 2020 has taken a turn. Okay. It is, uh, I don't know if it's the year we prayed for. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I don't know if it's, uh, it's what we asked for. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if anyone sat and prayed for this year to be like this. <laughs> um, if, if, if that's the case, we need to find that person. They need hey, to we need to this. find that person and undo that prayer. Because whatever it is that uh, they prayed for, put in the air, put in the energy, it's come with the big C, right? That's Yo, what we're referring to you and I. 2020 do. is not our year. Hey, yes, so yes. For, for you as a doctor, how has it been being a doc? Because, I mean, I can imagine, right? You have a certain expectation. You, you've worked a couple of years now. You know, you're, you're getting the groove of this whole doctor thing. And a pandemic happens. <laughs> and the textbooks did not tell you how to deal with a pandemic. How has it been being a doctor yeah. during this time? It is scary. I don't want to lie to you. Especially, you know, when the pandemic first hit, mm. you take yourself out of being a doctor. You are a normal person and you're like, right. oh my God, right. this is happening. Right. And you know that your profession is going to require you to be in the front line. Definitely. Right. Aside from you just being a normal civilian <laughs> that has to deal with 
possibly getting infected with corona yourself. You have to worry about your patients, your family members, Mm. your relatives, your friends, and everyone else getting infected, you know? Mm. And then, you know, at that moment when they declare that it's a, it's an, a state of disaster that that everything is just it's going to implode at this moment right. and the fear i think it mainly came from seeing how badly before coronavirus even came uh, to our shores how mm. badly it impacted the first world countries right that's what i think that, that's what the fear came from mainly mm-hmm. for i'll speak for myself that's where the fear came from. Mm. Seeing how we dilapidated first world countries mm. and we are a third world country and ap- apart from being in a third world country, working in a very underfunded, under-resourced right. public health system. So you right. think about all those things like if they couldn't handle it, I can't mm-hmm. imagine what's going to happen to us. Mm. And you're like, if we even survive this pandemic, it's going mm. to be a miracle. Because you, you know, you start getting, you start thinking about things, and you become a bit more close about things. And you're like, because mm. you've seen how the public sector works, and you've been mm. working in it for quite some time, mm. and you, 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 you've seen the outcome of a lot of things: patients not being eligible to be in ICUs for basic things, you know. Mm being eligible to be in ICU for a basic thing. And you're like, can you imagine with the coronavirus and sick patients that need ICU, what's going to happen? You know? Right. Right. And, 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 and also um, the, the, the treatment requirements for patients, you know, mm-hmm. are we going to be able to, 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 to be up to par with that? Are we going to be able to, house all of these patients that we're anticipating we're going to get this is at the beginning of the pandemic Mm. are we well equipped we don't even have personal protective equipment Mm. do we have oxygen we barely have enough cylinders you know Mm. those were the initial things that you were thinking in the beginning of a pandemic initially you were like "Mm, i don't think it's gonna come to south africa oh yeah no "No." we had all the myths were like it doesn't attack black people oh no it's fine the denial (laughs) the denial the optimism i think it was based all of that is based off of a fear because you're like we already struggling with so much Mm. what is this gonna do to us this is just gonna lay us out on the floor literally that it's based off of a fear i think that's you're hoping because you know how people were saying, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to take this bad, but like how people were saying, this, this doesn't affect black people. Like we haven't right. seen any black people getting, Ill. I think it's coming from a, a point of, of, of denial and fear right. because you're already saying black people have been through so much. Now they're going to come and the coronavirus <laughs> is going to take them because now they don't even have, Access to proper healthcare, right, number one. Right. Just gonna go housing, and you know how they were saying, you need to be sanitary, wash your hands. Our people are living in the slums, right? In the townships, what where they are living back water? to back. They don't have mm. water. What's running water? So it's like, mm. I think it came from a place of ignorance and a place of uh, fear and denial because you like. What else can black people handle at this point? At this point, in this country, in this economy. In this country, in this Mm. economy, in this. So it's a lot of that. 
Mm. And then you're like, oh my God, this is going to hit us and it's going to hit us where it hurts. And it's going to, and people are going to lose their relatives and people mm. are going to lose their friends. And it's, 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 it's a thing that you put in your, in your brain because you know, other people might be in denial, but you as a medic, medical practitioner, right. you know well enough how pandemics of this scale can go. Right. Because you get taught about them. You get taught right. about them in microbiology, about uh, uh, pandemics that we've survived in the past. Not myself, but like the world and the how world. it ends, you know? Mm. So, so, so you brace yourself and you're like, damn, I'm a human being. I'm a civilian in this country. I have relatives in this country. Right. That are some of them extended family members, everyone that's dependent on us and right. on our public health care that mm. you know is going to fail them at some point. Mm. Not everyone's going to get through this pandemic. So it's like, oh my God. To be honest, a lot of practitioners will tell you that they slipped into a tad bit of a depression. I'm sure. You saw a lot of people being being impacted and there's nothing you can do. Right. There's literally nothing you can do. And, and um, watching people just... You know, can I tell you, uh, we had a problem in our hospital. We had uh, a lack of oxygen. Mm. Imagine oxygen. You, you know, when you're someone that can breathe and you, right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing for someone that has had childhood asthma. Mm. At some point in my life, I ended up in, 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 in a high care when mm. I was in six, grade six. The feeling of not being able, being to, able breathe, to breathe is the world it's the closest to death that you can get I no it, it it really is because i i have anxiety and, and i sometimes i have a panic attack like symptoms is what i call it yes. so i know what it yeah. feels like not being able to breathe and i think when i first yes. heard about the coronavirus and heard what it does to your lungs i was like so you're in a permanent panic attack you know what I'm exactly, saying? Like, exactly. And the bare minimum being able to suck in air into your lungs becomes a luxury when you're dealing with a respiratory uh, a pandemic, you know? Mm-hmm. It becomes a luxury. So when we, we started running out of oxygen, I couldn't even, I didn't know where to look. I was like, right. do something, someone do something. Right. And it was a provincial thing. It wasn't just us. And we, it wasn't just us because we survived mainly on tanks, you know, in those, you know, those gas tanks, like the, the ones for gas stove, for right. gas stove. So our, our oxygen comes in big cylinders like that. The big ones, our right. Hospital. So the number of COVID patients we were getting, each patient would run through the cylinder over the course of 24 hours. So you can imagine how many cylinders you need. They would literally right. run it out. So when we ran out of oxygen, you don't know where to look. You just look at the wall because patients, you can see this patient is going to die and you don't know what you're going to do. And you need to send this patient out of this hospital. Mm-hmm. So it's a thing like that when you get a hit, when you get a hit by a pandemic of this proportion without being prepared, mm-hmm. you, get, you see things like this and things like this can put you in a depression. I swear to you, mm-hmm. they can put you straight into a depression because you feel helpless. Mm. and hopeless mm. and guilty so right. you become helpless hopeless and then you're guilty now because now you like i could have done more and and in it's, essence you, you what else can you do what else mm-hmm. can you do mm-hmm. so that that's the thing about covid covid is just bad 
your view on 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 COVID so far, you know, with 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 what it is, what it's doing to 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 people, its treatment, its myths, everything. As an MD, looking at COVID when it started, looking at COVID to where it is right now, what what is your general feeling with that? Um, there are a lot of speculations about what COVID is. Mm. Uh, especially for people that don't want to believe about what it is actually, or that are not sold on the, on the idea of what coronavirus is, whether it's an actual virus or if it's a bacteria or as if, if it was manufactured by who and who and whatever. That I will leave it to the scientists. I have no idea. I'm the person working on the ground and I can tell you what I've seen. So primarily it affects, it's a, it's 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 an entity that affects your res- your respiratory system, which is your lungs. Okay, okay. Um, in the in 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 its worst form, if I can put it like that. Mm. So it will present itself as we see a lot of patients with viral infections. Okay, mm. throughout the course of the year, flu viruses come and go. So flu virus, someone that will tell you if they've suffered from a flu. They'll tell you they get that headache. They feel like they're a bit backed up nasally. Mm. Um, body aches and pains, some muscle cramps. They feel generally tired. They feel all off, you know. Right. Um, they have a fever. They might not have a fever and all of that. Mm-hmm. So in its mild form, you present with that. You might have mm-hmm. a slight headache. You might have a, a bit of a, um, you might have a, your sense of smell or your mm-hmm. sense of taste. You may lose it. That's in its mild forms. If it if it doesn't progress to something else, mm. then now it can progress to something else. So when it progresses, it becomes maybe a cough, uh, a dry cough, in addition to this fever and this muscle pain and headache and what have mm-hmm. you. You may develop a dry cough, and then and then as 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 the illness progresses, and if your body isn't efficient in fighting off the viral infection at right. that moment or whatever supplementations you're taking if they're not able to wear off the, the 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 viral infection or if your viral load is too high for mm. meaning that your exposure to the virus has been so immense that your body even if it was at its normal spot at its optimal level mm-hmm. is not able to fight the infection then it progresses to what we call a lower respiratory uh, tract infection which is an inf- a chest infection infecting, uh, affecting your lungs. Mm-hmm. Now, that's where our patients come to the emergency department. About. Mm-hmm. When it starts affecting your lungs, you can't breathe, mm. you're spiking temperatures, mm. you're feeling generally out of sorts. Mm. They come in, the oxygen saturations are on the floor. I will mm. tell you, the lowest oxygen saturation I've ever seen in my life was at 39%. A normal oxygen saturations on your finger, they put that pulse oximeter thing on your finger. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to register. Normal people registers about, if you don't have any underlying conditions or, or any risk conditions or whatever, mm-hmm. um, normally it registers about 94%, 94, 95, 96, 97, upwards, uh, right? Yeah. The the lowest I saw in my life in casualty was a 39% oxygen saturation. And there was a patient that came in in florid distress. Florid distress. And and Couldn't that oxygen saturation, what does it basically mean? It means 
in a very crude sense mm-hmm. it's it, it's amount of oxygenation of the blood okay which means okay normally your oxygenation ne mm-hmm. your oxygenation normally should be above 95% 94% on mm. the oximeter right mm. so if yours is registering at a 39 it means you're having a severe compromise in either your lungs or mm. your tissues peripherally okay so they're not getting enough oxygen okay right so basically this patient comes in and they barely getting enough oxygen to stay alive my goodness so this is what covid sure. does in its flor- in its florid state patients mm. come in they can barely breathe and then you take a oxygen mask and you put it on them and the sets start to go up uh, in some patients luckily you can get a patient up from a from a saturation of 40 to maybe an 80 something 90 something and then you're right. happy like okay this patient we can try and admit this patient they be fine other patients putting oxygen on them will do nothing because their lungs are literally drowning if i can say drowning in infection right so you putting that face mask oxygen on them doesn't do anything mm. they need to be in icu they mm. need to be on a ventilator they need to be on something that's going to help assist their lungs to push out whatever fluid is in the lungs or to help them get whatever oxygen they need to get into the tissues you know mm-hmm. so that's what you deal with when you deal with covid in its worst state right now there's a phenomenon that they've noticed in some covid patients that they clot easily mm. now i don't i haven't read too much about it so i'm not thoroughly sure Mm-hmm. Uh, uh how it manifests or what what is the cause but i'd assume it's when you it's a sepsis some sort of a sepsis mm-hmm. where, where um um you have a overflow or your your body just goes into a a a panic mode and mm-hmm. um entity it might be an entity of the virus itself mm-hmm. affecting your your blood vessels Okay. Um um it, that's where most of the clots start forming the mm-hmm. blood vessels. N- now they've noted that with a lot of these patients they tend to clot very easily. Mm-hmm. So so what happens is that in addition to you having this chest infection you right. are running a risk of developing clots. Right. Now when the clot yes when the clots start going affecting your lungs affect your heart affect your brain you know so it that's the worst of the worst of the coronavirus what mm. i've seen mm. so it's a, it's a vast spectrum now our issue is that the people that we should be protecting against the coronavirus mm-hmm. are the people that are living with chronic conditions mm. Pat- your people with diabetes whether it's type 1 or type 2 uh pregnant women Mm-hmm. Uh, uh people that have hypertension mm-hmm. people that are suffering from uh cardiac diseases which is your heart failures your um congenital heart problems and all of those people that have cancers okay mm-hmm. um people that have cancers have a very low immunity most of the time mm-hmm. uh, and people generally that have a low immunity which is your hiv positive patients as well okay mm-hmm. so those are the patients that we target to in a surveillance in the sense that we try to protect them as much as we can mm. because we work under the assumption that 
they are the patients that are at at the highest risk of all right. patients. Um, so we try to optimize their treatment uh, so that in in the event that they do maybe acquire the coronavirus, it doesn't uh, uh, um, impact them as bad as it would be if mm. if they were not controlled. So the level of control is aiming for them to be at least uh, physiologically at a normal standpoint, whereby if they get some sort of an illness, they can come out of it, you know? Right. So that's, that's, that's the game plan. You try to optimize your patients as much as you can uh, so that in the event that they may develop uh, or come into contact with COVID-19, that they don't just simply perish. Because right. these patients sometimes come in and they just simply perish before your eyes. It is the mm-hmm. saddest thing to see. It is the saddest thing to see. So that's why we say that the government, that's why the government uh, has been implementing this mask wearing being mandatory. It's not just for you. It's right. literally not for me. I could get COVID and be fine. I could also get COVID and not be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. But in essence, you're trying to protect the at-risk population. That's right. the main thing. Doc, with, with what you're saying in terms of, um, you know, just how this virus has been attacking us and, and what you on the ground are literally trying to do for people, not just in South Africa, but all over the world, there have been so many debates regarding the lockdown. There's this level there's that level they this type of restrictions that type of restrictions and i think mm. people have a tendency people have a very short memory right and people have a tendency very <laughs> it's actually quite stressful because i think sometimes we forget that we're in an actual pandemic i remember saying that in episode six and i was from season one i was saying i think sometimes people can forget we're we're literally living through world history. We're in a pandemic, and they get Definitely. annoyed with the restrictions. They get annoyed with the lockdown regulations. As an MD, the mm. effectiveness of certain restrictions that the governments all over the world have actually put in place, be it whether it's the current lockdowns, the the past lockdowns, or just actually even the necessity of those lockdowns. Uh, restrictions make everyone stop moving restrict movement i think that was the initial idea of of the level five lockdown Mm. stop people from moving keep them people in one place keep them away from other people and only in their houses Mm. that for me makes absolute sense absolute Mm. sense because if you imagine can you imagine people are just walking around here contracting and spreading, contracting and spreading the virus. Like, I cannot even imagine. So the first thing of restricting movement and telling people to stay home was brilliant. Mm. And the introduction of of wearing masks was just brilliant because Mm -hmm. you don't realize how unhygienic some of our practices are Mm. until you see the the effect of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Simple things of keeping to yourself, so keep distancing from other people, wearing your masks, sanitizing frequently. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you didn't even think of, but those are the things that are going to potentially save your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And the additions to the restrictions, I think mainly what the government's initial attempt was keep people from moving, let people stay home, try and get our facilities up and running right. and, and resource them as much as you can right. before you can start letting people move. 
uh, um, move around, go back, resuming work, going back to work, and all these things. Mm. So I think uh, by the president saying everyone must just stop moving, that was just a brilliant, brilliant way to go. Mm. Secondly, restrictions that have been placed. We all know that alcohol, also with alcohol, because everyone is so anal about alcohol. Sorry for me to use about that, that word. Right. I also, I also partake in consumption of alcohol mm-hmm. occasionally, as is as is most of the people around. You know, mm-hmm. so we know that alcohol is consumed largely in in gatherings and in social situations and it mm. brings a lot of people together uh it disinhibits you to the sense that you even forget what's happening around you right. you just go on in this life and so by the government restricting these things because you must understand these type of pandemics are very social pandemics if i can say mm. These are things that you acquire in social situations mm-hmm. and in situations where you are exposed to other people. Mm-hmm. So the more you can limit those exposure to people, mm-hmm. the better in essence. Mm-hmm. So limiting alcohol and just social in, in a large scale, because we mm-hmm. know South Africans like to throw a few, throw a few back ever so often. We know that uh, three burdens of diseases in, in South Africa, which okay. was TB, HIV, and I think it was hypertension or something like that mm-hmm. then they decided in the world health organization decided south africa has a quadruple burden of disease which mm. is trauma being the fourth one can you imagine it's not even a disease it's literally something that people do by themselves and it has been added because it's so much trauma because a large number of beds are consumed by trauma patients Right. Violent. And, and and I just want you to, to give it in a layman's term when you're saying trauma you're referring to. I'm referring to violence mm. that that results in someone ending up in a hospital. Like I can't tell you how many times before the lockdown in a day I would have to admit someone who has been stabbed. Mm. Literally in a day. Because they are drunk and they come in the A and E and they are floridly drunk. And mm. you have to deal with these patients and they take up a lot of bed space. Mm. Bed space that you need for actually sick patients in the sense that sick with, with, uh, with uh, what's going on in the world, with the pandemic. Mm. You can't be nursing the feelings of South Africans uh, when it comes to alcohol. When mm. you know how violent our people can be, our people are very violent and they most often end up in hospital and mm-hmm. they most often get admitted because of whatever they're suffering from, whether it's mm-hmm. a gunshot or it's a stab or it's mm-hmm. a broken leg from a, a motor vehicle or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So once they started doing that, they started saving beds. Mm. So now you had more beds to move patients around right. that you can make special wards for COVID-19. Right. Because, you know, with our, 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 our health system, it's not like that of a first world country. You can't just build, build a hospital overnight and say, okay, right. we're going to house COVID right. patients. Right. We have to use the hospitals that we have. Mm. And, and with the hospitals that we have, you notice that, okay, aside from the, your sick patients, who else is taking up space on those beds? And mm. it's trauma patients. Mm. 
you know it was so shocking like you didn't realize how much trauma you were seeing until they started taking off the alcohol and you're like wow guys we literally cannot control ourselves (laughs) then the third the third thing being the cigarettes the cigarettes Mm. it only makes sense if it's a respiratory illness it affects your lungs Mm. for you to want to preserve the little functioning that you have Mm, of your life so that you are (laughs) i tell you it's not just for to say smoking you must stop smoking because it's bad for your lungs it's bad for us doctors because when we have to put you 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 get the covid you are the one that's going to need the ventilator at the end Mm -hmm. of the day and we're trying to minimize the number of number of patients that are going to need ventilation that's Mm. basically what we're trying to do We try to minimize the amount of patients that are going to need ventilation and the number of patients that are going to get sick from the uh, coronavirus. And they secondhand so the smoking. Secondhand smoking, like mm. literally, literally. And it's, it's, it's you smoking and blowing particles into the air. You're going to give it to everyone else. <laughs> right. You're going to smoke that zone or you're going to smoke that cigarette and you're going to pass it on to your mate and you're going to share saliva and it's droplet spread. You're going to give it to him. Mm. Like it, it, it's oh my god, Cyril's the worst human being. No, Cyril is the president. Yeah, right. <laughs> doesn't just doesn't just wake up and say, Okay, we're gonna stop this. We're gonna right. it's based on medical evidence, you know. It's based on medical evidence that these things and it's 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 based on people who are d- infectious disease experts, you know, mm. and people who've studied and have PhDs and have lived through pandemics that know these things. So it's mm. like, guys. Come on. Right. <laughs> Come on. Right. So that's like, that's it. Yeah. And with us now, you were talking about movement, and this is my last question for you. And us now moving back into the economy, right? The economy is opening up, and, and we've talked about how fickle the human memory can be. Um, yes. As an MD, <laughs> what, what, are you, what are your suggestions? right for us for our health i mean because obviously i personally think we're definitely yeah. going to see a spike in the virus count right a a spike, definitely, definitely. Mm. but what 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 how can we go about uh, a medically health wise transitioning into this period i think a lot of people initially are betting on the seasonal change that's going to help them number one mm. that is it's 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 no longer going to be as cold going to be a bit warm then the next thing is going into you know like how i was seeing a lot of things on twitter where people were like um some people are saying oh they're going to remain on lockdown and then people are mocking them for that and i'm like no that's someone's personal preservation strategy that's what they feel is going to help them everyone's feeling of it in this next phase of the lockdown people should be responsible that's the bare minimum that you can request require from people mm. is to be responsible not only for themselves but all, also for the people that they live with and when i say live with i say people you live with in your household in your community mm. in in your where you work and all of those mm. things you need to be responsible and mindful about the fact that we are still existing in a pandemic even right. though you think the numbers are going down. You see the numbers going down. They're opening the economy. Opening up the economy doesn't mean you must be reckless. It means that the country needs to resume some form of functionality because we are a th- third world country mm. and no one is going to keep giving us grants mm. 
right. and keep giving us money to stay afloat, we mm. need to resume some form of normalcy so mm. that the country in itself can generate its own money instead of, you know, borrowing. Mm. So my advice would be to be responsible. Continue wearing your mask, continue mm. social distancing, mm. continue sanitizing as often as you can. Mm-hmm. Only visit when it's absolutely mandatory for you to visit. Mm. Only visit when it's yes. And 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 be wary of where you're going and who you're going to. Right. Uh, especially if you're going to visit elderly <laughs> patients, people that are already suffering with certain diseases and whatever. And exposed. You not knowingly, not knowingly expose them to something because you don't think you're ill and mm. you be reckless about it, you know? Mm. So so my only thing, my this is my only advice because, you know, people are grown. You can't obviously tell people what to do. Right. Just be responsible. Be responsible. That's all. Right. Resp- even with this liquor, opening up the liquor stores, people still need to be responsible. You're not saying don't drink your alcohol. I know I'm going to buy myself a bottle of wine as soon as I go to the, the shop. Right. Consume it in the leisure of your own home. Mm-hmm. Or if you are consuming it um, uh, uh, in a restaurant or wherever, be responsible about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, stick to the curfews like how they've been placed. Mm-hmm. Go home at the time that you're supposed to go home. Mm-hmm. Stay in your, minimize social contact. Mm. Don't be found in social situations unnecessarily, you know? Mm. That's what's going to help us curb the, the, or flatten the curve, if you can say. Right. Many countries have demonstrated that they can resume functionality and still maintain the levels of restrictions that have been placed by the government. Mm. And they continue, uh, 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 people are still enjoying themselves, people are still able to go to restaurants, mm. people are still able to do certain things. But with with within reason and within limitations, that's mm. all. And that's what's important. That, that's all. Right. I literally have that. That's all. I I I I cannot thank you enough. Like <laughs> I feel like I need to do something to just thank you for being on this platform. Thank you for driving this this series because you know how i was like this is the idea this is what i want to do and you were like bit so i i from the bottom of my heart i really want to thank you i want to thank you for coming on and giving knowledge because not a lot of people are actually even willing to do that right a lot of people are just like ah i'm busy i've made it i'm living my life <laughs> right in whatever it is that they're doing and they don't want to just say this is what i know and this is what i can teach so I really, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you for coming onto this platform. And I always do this thing with season one, because there were more personal conversation. I'd ask people, you know, three questions reflecting on their journey. With this series, I want to ask you mm. three questions. But the first question is, looking at the health journey, looking at your journey as a medical doctor in hindsight, what is the one thing that you would tell yourself? One thing I would tell myself. Uh, one thing I would tell myself is that I matter mm. I think I matter in the field I'm in I matter to somebody mm. um, I matter to myself mm. and when I say I matter in that I will make an impact in someone's life mm. or I have I don't know I wouldn't know 
but I'm pretty sure that in this in this in this field I'm in, um, I matter to somebody. You know, I think that's that's just a reminder to myself is that I matter. Keep going, you matter. Keep going, you matter. That's it. My second question: What is the one in your experience, the one thing that you yeah. are like? Your one moment where you're like, they didn't teach us this at med school. Now what must happen? (laughs) (laughs) Good. The third one is uh, dealing with family members of patients. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's tough there. It's tough there that early. (laughs) Because you know how how relatives are. They they, Mm. they advocate for their for their for their relatives. And it's very hard to please a lot of people. So right. the, you can do as much as you can, but you so there are some people you will just never please. Mm. They don't teach you that in med school. Like they keep, teach you to keep to keep persevering, to keep pushing. But sometimes you must know when to be when when to be like, okay, this is above me now. Right. There's nothing that I can do at this point. Right. Like uh, dealing with those type of situations. A lot mm. of teach you so much medical, you forget about the basis of human interaction you know mm, mm. so some things you're like whoa hey Zaban Funisa to deal with this this is a lot <laughs> so yeah maybe that yeah, maybe right. and your one golden tip one golden tip if nothing else if one they said write a book tip. one page uh, one golden tip as a doctor ooh what can I say um, I'll say do as much as you can with what you have. Mm. Otherwise, pass it along to the next person. Mm. You can't if you if you if you don't have, you must know when to stop. You know, as a doctor, when when something is above you. You know, when something requires someone else's expertise, you must know when. You must make a, You must have that distinct. Um, moment where you say this is above me it needs someone else's expertise and in essence that will help your patient you know because the end goal is to benefit uh, do whatever it takes that will benefit the patient and do no harm to the patient Mm. so if, if 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 you've reached your limit point and there's nothing that you can offer at this moment hand it over to the next person I think that that's one thing. It will save you a lot of heartache and headache and problems. Mm. Pass it on to the next person. Your one golden tip for the public? Be responsible. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Know your rights. Know your rights and be responsible. Two things. If I can squeeze two. Know your rights. Because a lot of people are walking out here and they don't know their rights, fam. Literally, it's the saddest thing. Know your rights and be responsible. That's all. That's all. Friend, thank you. 